Somebody ought to say amen. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together for the uh, men's chorus chosen this morning. God bless you. Brothers and sisters, let's stand together for the opening of the word of God this morning. Would you join me in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. I think you can find that. I think you can find Genesis 1-1. Come on, say amen. Amen. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Verse chapter 1 is the first chapter of the Bible. And verse 1 is the first verse of the Bible. Would you say amen? amen. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And we are excited to share with you these very familiar words of Scripture and try to find some deeper meaning for our lives this morning. If you love Jesus, let me hear you say amen. 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 The Bible says, the New International Version of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now I'd like for you to turn down to verse 26 of the very same chapter. Verse 26 of the very same chapter. When you have found it, would you say amen? Amen. The Bible says in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us, let who everybody? Let us make man in our image in our likeness let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground verse 27 so God created man in his own image in the image of God how many know you're created in the image of God this morning No matter what you look like or what you feel like, you're created in the image of God. The Bible says, so God created man, thank you Jesus, in his image. I am in the image of God today. In the image of God created, uh, he uh, created, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now turn over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. And we'll look at verses 8 and 9 as our closing passages of scripture for our sermon this morning. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. And when you have found that passage, would you say amen as well? The Bible says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, hallelujah for this text. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I want to preach this morning under the subject entitled Indescribable, Indescribable. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we, uh, we thank you for how you spared that dear little girl's life. We're not, we're not too caught up in the church service to forget that we just saw your hand. Your hand. And God, we worship you right now. We're praying that you be with them and the medical assistants and physicians that will be attending to her. 
give her family comfort. And Father, we're praying that we'll see her back here very soon. Now, for the rest of us who are here today to hear something from God. Lord, you know we hard-headed. Lord, you know we really too much don't want to hear what you have to say in our lives, especially if it causes us to make changes. So in honesty this morning, we confess, Lord, fix us because we don't want to fix ourselves. I pray that the word of God will not be of such today where we're hoping that somebody else will get it. God, my prayer today is that from the preacher to the pew, we all will get what God is saying to the church today. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God is indescribable. And then look at somebody and say, he's awesome. Let's put our hands together and give the Lord a great praise this morning. Praise the Lord. As you know, we are in the midst of a series of teachings that will pretty much take us well into 2015. Should the Lord so spare our lives to see 2015? Before we go to 2015, there are some key principles about the story of salvation. The theme in which we are dealing with is called God is love. What did I say, everybody? God is love. Uh, By the way, just in case you're a little confused, those three words saved your life. Had it not had it not been for those three words and you can go you can go forward or backward. God is love or love is God. Doesn't matter. Thank God for those words. Would you say amen? Amen. Those words really paint for us a picture of the great controversy of the what everybody? The great controversy. The great controversy is another way of describing the story of salvation. You you may not have known, but I'd like to share with you today. Salvation is a story. It's a story. It's really a love story about a God, and I kind of want to talk about this today, about a God who almost appears, and this is how he's being painted in modern day culture, like God is almost crazy to even want to deal with folks like us, and it's one thing to deal with this generation, it's 2014, I think it is, right, it's 2014, right, do you realize that God has been putting up with our mess, and when I say our, I'm talking about uh, human beings, that he's been dealing with with us for a very long time, like thousands and thousands of years. He's been dealing with your drama. He's been dealing with your grandmother's drama, your mama, your great-grandmother. I mean, God knows you. Come on, say amen. The good thing about God's love is this, and I think this is where many of us struggle with this whole idea of love. Like, I'll even tell you this. Like, it's really easy to, like, do the church thing, but I'm telling you, learning how to live a life of love, that's, like, on a whole nother level. How many are learning how to do that right now? Like, you, you're trying to you learn it. Like, God has got you through this process of love. One of, the, one of the prayers that you ought to be careful about praying, I'm just throwing this out here, be careful to pray this prayer, because I promise you, you are inviting God to come show you how it works. When you say, God, show me how to love like you love. <laughs> oh, man, oh, Lord. I, I made the mistake of praying that prayer. And can I tell you one of the first things God will do when you start praying that prayer? He's going to put unlovable people in your life. <laughs> like, I mean, really, how else are you going to learn about mercy, patience, long suffering? <laughs> I think I got some witnesses in here. 
How many, how many can say today that you're on the wheel, the potter's wheel? You're being molded right now. Yeah, man. Look, I mean, you, can, you know the Bible. I know that. I know you can quote the scriptures. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, listen, I can tell if you're a Christian or not based on how you treat people that don't treat you the same way you treat them. <laughs> and so really the story of salvation starts at crea- pre-creation, which we talked about Last month, somebody asked me the other day, they said, when are we going to get back into Revelation? Hold your horses, we're going to get back there, but I got to paint the whole picture for you. So there's pre-creation, what happened before we got here, now we're in the series on creation, what happened since we got here, and then from creation, we're going to go to the fall, or conflict, when we jacked up the whole situation, and then from conflict and the fall, we're going to go then to the covenant, that's God coming back to us, trying to figure out how to get us back on track. By the way, I would have cut us loose after the flood. Come on, say amen. The Bible says that the Bible says that Jesus, that the Lord said that it repented God that he had made man. I mean, that's some deep stuff, right? You know, listen, you know, we was acting a fool if God had gotten to the point where he was like, I'm ready to end this whole thing. But the good, but the good part, I love this passage of scripture. It says, but the Lord found grace in the eyes of Noah. And so this is a story of grace. And so from covenant then we'll, we'll cross over into the realm of the church, of the church, or actually, I'm sorry, we'll go to Christ, and then we'll look at the church, and then finally we'll look at re- recreation. So let's deal with creation today, and let's see what God has to say. Here's, here's a myth. There's a new movie that's out right now. It's called Lucy. It's called Lucy. I'm not sure if some of you have seen it. And Lucy is kind of akin uh, to another movie that was out not long ago called Limitless. And for those of you who are not familiar with any of these films, basically the premise behind these movies is, is, is rooted on an urban myth. At least scientists say it's an urban myth. And, and you probably have heard this before. The urban myth is this, that human beings, I'm, you're going to know what I'm talking about, operate on 10% of their brain power. Have, has anybody ever heard that before? That basically most of us right now, we're not operating on 100% capacity of our brains but, the, but the, the urban legend or myth, so to speak, is, is that we're only using, we, we maxed out at 10%. I mean, consider that. With all the discoveries that we've made, we've gone to the moon. Come on, say amen. I mean, we've invented cures for various diseases. We have even come up with elaborate designs. I'm amazed. Some, some of y'all take this for granted, but I'm amazed anytime a building goes up like a skyscraper. Like, how does that happen? I mean, there is something amazing about human ingenuity. Now listen, I know we, I, know, I mean, humans, we, we kind of jacked up. We got issues. I know there's a big mental health crisis in the world. But if it's true that we're operating on 10% of our brains, then can you imagine the capacity? Can you imagine the advancement that we can make in our world if we operated on 100% of our brain? Well, in the movie, Lucy, I've not seen it yet, but I pulled this up off Wikipedia. Basically, Wikipedia say that Lucy, uh, she, she, in, she, she takes in some kind of drug, and this drug heightens her cerebral capacity. It heightens her cerebral capacity to the extent that she becomes telekinetic and telepathic. In other words, she's able to read minds. Her, 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 phys- her physical strength has, has increased tenfold. And, 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 and she's now at a place where she has no limitation on what powers her brain has. No, no limitations. I, I've, I've often wanted to use this uh, from time to time. Uh, don't you wish you could read what people think? Well, well, see, most of y'all don't even wish because most of y'all spending too much time trying to figure out what... 
what people think, and, and, and you're only using 10% of your brain power. Can you imagine if you could read minds? Have mercy. I'd make some money off that thing. Come on, say amen. The truth of the matter is, is, and they say most scientists and neurologists and, and other people in the field of medicine and the study of the brain say that this is a myth, but they do agree that we are not operating on full capacity of our brains. And most of us know why. We're not really using our brains. Anybody ever done anything dumb in here? Raise your hand. Anybody ever done anything dumb and you got a degree? Come on, say amen. You got a degree and you still do dumb stuff. Or, or even worse, some of you do dumb stuff and you did it before. Yeah, you, you, did, you did it before, you bumped your head and you did it again. All, all, all y'all in here must got that thing on lock. Y'all, y'all got it all figured out. If you know I'm talking about you and including the pastor and you'd have done some dumb stuff in this life and you thank God that he forgave you of your dumb stuff, wave your hand in the air. Wave your hand. Come on, be honest, all right? So nevertheless, the issue with this concept of of, of how much are we using of our brains? or I mean, how smart are we? Is, is this real notion that most of us, and I, I want to come close to you on this, most of us, even if it's 10%, if it's 5 I don't care, if it's 25%, I don't know how much of our brain we're using, but I do know this, is that our brains are no match, no comparison to the mind of God. I mean, think of the most powerful things that you've ever seen in this life, inventions, etc., great feats of, of intellect and, and, and geniuses. You, you're, talking, you're talking about Einstein and all these folks. You can put together every single genius. By the way, studies are showing now that our generation is producing more geniuses, IQ, than any other generation in Earth's history. More geniuses. They're noticing that more kids are scoring high on the IQ scale, but they're also noticing that we're also producing more emotionally unstable people than we ever have before. So, I mean, just throwing this out here, I mean, just academic knowledge does not necessarily make you wise, does it? Book smarts doesn't make you wise. You're going to have something that they call called wisdom, Amen. But, but, but the issue with, with, with human beings is we kind of we want to try to figure God out. We spend too much time trying to figure God out. We are wasting energy, brain capacity. And and most importantly, you know what it's doing? It's eroding our faith when we try to figure God out. There's some dangerous questions that you can ask God. And I'm telling you, if you play with it too much, you'll get to a place where you don't trust God more. You trust God less. Now, if there was a subject that creates unbelief in our world. It's the subject of creation. See, y'all are church folk, so you already believe in a six-day creation, seventh day he rested, 24-hour periods. How many of you guys believe that? You're, you're a creationist. You, you believe in creation. But according to studies, the majority of people in our country do not believe in creation as the Bible teaches. The majority, and you know, in your schools, how many of you, how many of you were ever taught evolution in your school? Darwinian philosophies, natural selection, survival of the fittest. 
As a matter of fact, Darwinism has even leaked itself into sociology where we have actually social Darwinism or social evolution, which is to say much of the reason why there was slavery and why there, 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 there certain powers are only given to the privileged folk of certain race classes. Uh, consider even the Holocaust. The Holocaust was a result of social Darwinism, which simply says that the people that make it are the people that are superior. And so this whole idea of evolution that people don't really believe that God created the heavens and the earth, uh, this whole concept has come from an idea of people not asking why God created the heavens of the earth. This whole idea that has really created a generation of atheists. I'm serious. I'm hearing more and more people, and, and some of you, I'm, I know, you take it for granted because you've been in church for your whole life, and, and so there's certain questions you don't even ask, but I'm telling you now, your babies and, and, and people in our generation, and it's, even black people, it used to be a time where black people just believed in God. Come on, say amen. I mean... I mean, you were just raised to believe in God. Well, I'm telling you, those days are over now. People are no longer. And can I tell you one of the reasons why people are no longer believing in God? Because they're trying to figure God out. They're trying to figure out how can there be a God who is so loving and kind, but yet I have so much suffering. There's so much evil in this world. There's been so much evil in my life, so much hurt. I mean, consider for a minute. Just open your mind up to it. I, I know you always believe in God. There's nothing that can ever rock your boat. You'll never really be an atheist. You might be a functioning atheist to the extent that you don't really trust God. But uh, because the Bible says if you believe that he is, then you ought to believe that he can. Come on, say amen. So, so many of you would never admit that you're an atheist, but for the most part, you're a functioning atheist to the extent that you say you believe in God, but you don't really trust God. And if you believe that he is, then the Bible says you might as well believe that he rewards those that diligently seek him. But I digress. The issue, though, is, is that we have a generation now who are so unhappy with the God that we have painted and that we have taught that they are opting for a version of God that looks more like Satan. And so what Satan has done is, Satan has sort of, he's done a role reversal with God. And I'm going to tell you right now, look around you, look in this world, this wicked world, this world that is so full of suffering, so full of hurt, so full of pain. People are mad at God. If they're not mad at God, they don't believe in God. They're tired of God. And especially the version of God that they see us promoting. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if I can promote what we're marketing. The scripture says that you are ambassadors of Christ. The Bible says that you are literally, and I love what Paul says, Paul says you are an epistle of Christ. In other words, there are some folks who will never read the Bible. And so the only understanding of God that they have is when they look at my life. They will either say, based on his life, God is or he is not. And from a practical level, that's pretty much what's happening. People are not reading the Bible anymore. Uh, I was looking at a study the other day, and here are the following things that most people in North America don't believe in. They don't believe in, a, in, in creation. They don't believe there was ever a flood. They don't believe that there is a Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the devil or demons. I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. I think you maybe think I'm talking about people maybe in another country. I'm talking about in these neighborhoods, in these streets, as I'm talking to some of our folk in these streets, they have suffered so much pain. They have gone, I mean, come on now, think about it now. 
when the first sexual experience that you had was with your mother or with your father? Come on now. I mean, just feel them for a minute. How can they think that there's a loving God when you don't got raped by your uncle and your mama ain't say nothing? When you got abandoned by your father and, and, and he's with his other kids. Come on now. I was watching Ayana Fix My Life the other day and, and, and there was a brother on there. He has 34 children. And he's trying to figure out why his kids don't love him. Bro! You got 34. After 17, you should have used a condom. After five, come on, say amen. Man, I got two tongue snatchers. And I'm trying to figure out how to raise them. My God, 34. What child support look like on that? He's got a problem. But as we began to investigate his story, somebody, how many of y'all saw that episode? Uh, you got to watch it. As I, we began to investigate his story some more, we realized that he had a serious high level of brokenness that he experienced from abandonment from his own father. His father put him out of the house and never spoke to him again. And so some of you will say, well, that ain't no excuse for 34 children. I'll agree. But also, that is also not an excuse to suggest that part of his, the reason why he behaves the way he does has nothing to do with how he was raised. No, feel me on this. I'm saying I get people not believing in God. I get it. They didn't come up the way we came up. Folk ain't going to church no more. They're not teaching about God in school. People's mamas and daddies ain't praying for them. Most of our kids in this hood live with their uncle, their aunt, some cousin. And a lot of times the cousin and the aunt ain't really a family member. Black folk, y'all know what I'm talking about. Just somebody that's close with the family. Ain't no blood relation, but we cousins. And so I, I just want you to see. So we have created the sin problem has created an issue that God. Oh, this is amazing. That God knew would come when he created us. Now I want to mess with your mind for a minute. I want to mess with your mind. I want to mess with your sanctified holy mind. Can we get deep for just a minute? To me, to me, the reason why Darwin and evolutionists have lost their way, and so some of you say, I'm not on that level. Let's bring it home. The reason why many of us are in church, we think we believe in God, but we're not sure. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Let me just make this thing real. I was talking to somebody yesterday, a former pastor's wife. I say former because her husband died. Tragically, terribly. He was a rock. One of my professors. Amazing. And the family is grieving now. It's just hitting them that the rock in their life is gone. And people that led people to Jesus Christ are now asking themselves this question. If God is real, if this God that I've been serving my whole life, I've been in church, I was married to a man of God. Like, how would he let this happen? See, I don't know. I know. Maybe, maybe you ain't really been through anything uh, that has caused a crisis of faith. You need it. You need it. You need it. Trust me now. I'm telling you, you keep living a little while longer. There is coming a situation in your life where God, God, I didn't say the devil, where God is going to put you in a position where all this routine, all this religion, all this, I come to church, all this regurgitating of what somebody else said, he is going to put it on the line and you are going to have to say, I really know God, not that I just know about God. 
is coming. The stuff that you love the most, just like Abraham, he's coming for it. Oh my God, the stuff that you love the most, he will come for it. The thing that you built your reputation on, he's coming for it. The thing that you're the pr- most proud of, God will come for it. The thing that you have put the most trust and confidence, I'm telling you the truth, God will come for that thing simply because God does not want you to trust him. Simply because of what he does, God wants you to trust him because of who he is. Because there are going here, Lord. There's going to be some things that happen in your life. There's going to be some things. Can I get some witnesses in here? There's going to be some things that happen in your life where God, I didn't say the devil. We ain't talking about him today. Where God will do some stuff and you're not going to understand what he's doing. And you'll be tempted to blame the devil. But if you're honest with yourself, you'll know that God, if he could have stopped it, he would have. That if he, if he could have blocked it, he would have. Doesn't it bother you sometimes? It's all right. You in church, I ain't going to judge you. But somebody talk back to me. Don't sometimes you just feel like, God, what are you doing? Where are you going with this? How come you haven't answered my prayer? Some of you have been crying out for things that God has promised. The salvation of your family. Salvation of your children. And you're fasting. And you're praying. And you're saying, God, I need you to hear me. And tell the truth. God ain't done nothing yet. And then you run around here talking about God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. May not come when you want it, but he's always on time. I mean, shut up. I'm, I'm, trust, trust me on this. Keep living. Somebody know what I'm talking. Somebody, you in it, you in it right now. You can't even, you can't even praise God because the devil got his foot so strong on your neck. And the Lord could lift the foot, but he ain't letting it. He's allowing the pressure to be of such where he ain't going to kill you, but he's going to allow the enemy to have his foot on your neck. But at some point, you're going to be able to say like Job. Job said at the end of all those things, when he was crying out to God and God would not hear him. Uh, have you ever noticed what Job said? Job said, I, I heard about you. I heard what the pastor taught. I, I was in the revival. I, I, I got the Bible lesson. He said, but I heard, oh God. He said, I heard, thank you, God. He said, I heard about you with the hearing of the ear, Job chapter 42. He said, but now my eyes see you. I know who you are now. And you will never, you will never come to know God the way that you should until you go through an experience where you question if he actually exists. Dress it up. Make it real nice. Use all your religious language. God's not impressed. I need help in here because there are some folks in here who feel, who feel condemned because they're sitting around church people who are dressed up real nice. And the only reason why they're here today is because somebody told them to come. And they're really not sure if God exists, but they're trying to give God a chance right now. I'm serious. Trust me on this. There are some folks in here who are trying to give God a shot. And the only shot they're giving him is the next few minutes that we're going to have in here today. And I just need you right now, if you're honest with yourself, let them feel like they're not by themselves. Is there anybody in here today that you had to look God in the face and put your fists up in the air and say, I don't know where you are. Where are you right now? Would you not hear my prayer? I know you want to respect God and reverence him. But see, you ain't been through nothing just yet. Because I'm telling you, there will be something in your life that will push you to a place where you just lose yourself. And you say to God like Job did, where are you? 
what I'm saying to you is this. A lot of, a lot of the evil in our world has caused people to begin to assume that there's no way there can be a God. I get it. I get it. If you don't get it, it's because you ain't experienced anything on a level. Yo, has anybody ever been through something and that thing was so hell that you say, now this can't be from God. But, you, but then you say to yourself, well, this can't be from Satan because it is making me pray. And I, and I, and I am fasting. And I am crying out like I have before. But this thing hurts so bad. How could God be I mean, like, and then you just, I mean, for real, I don't know about you, but I'm crazy like that where stuff gets so bad sometimes where, you, where, where after you done cried so much, you can't even cry. And so all you can do is laugh. And then people start thinking you're crazy because they're trying to figure out why you're going through what you're going through. And you laugh and they, you're like, you got a smile on your face. They think you got the joy of the Lord. No, you don't got the joy of the Lord. You're like David. You're crazy right now because God is driving you off. Ah. Uh, where are the real folk at in Glenville who know what I'm talking about today? Who knows that God sometimes will push you off the ledge? Yes. Commit him. Commit him tomorrow because he don't know what he's talking about. Sometimes you're praising. Sometimes you're praying. Sometimes you're crying. Sometimes you're laughing. Sometimes you're dancing. Sometimes you're pouting. You don't even know whether you're calling. Y'all don't want to talk to me in here. You don't know whether you're coming or going. Ah, God, thank God. But has anybody ever been a witness today that God will hold you in those times? God, God, God is not offended by your questioning of his way. God said, in a little while, weeping may endure for a night. So I didn't realize, but I, I researched Darwin. See, Dar- see, evolution, the whole concept of evolution. And, and let me tell you why I'm saying this. Because well, just preach creation, Pastor. If you Google creation, Google it. There's more anti-creation stuff that comes up. Than creation. Matter of fact, I'm, listen, I'm, let me just give you some insight on my sermon preparation. I'm trying to prepare a sermon on creation, right? And man, I'm frustrated because I'm like, man, is there any good stuff out there? Everything out there is anti creation. Now, Darwin, Darwin, Charles Darwin, who in 1859 produced his paper entitled The Origin of Species, didn't realize that Darwin used to be a theology student. Now, the evolutionists will never tell you this part because there's no hypothesis behind it. But Darwin was hurt. Darwin took a trip around the world and he started looking at species and plant form and life form. And and so because he could not hear this, because he could not figure God out, he eliminated God out. His seminal work has caused a firestorm of criticism against those of us who are crazy enough to believe that the Lord created this planet in six 24-hour periods. And so I realized what the problem is. And it's pretty much my sermon right here. You know what the problem is? When we look at the work of God, now consider now, our solar system is moving at 400, 
and 90,000 miles per second and you can't even feel it. The sun has been so scientifically or strategically placed that we have something that we folk in Cleveland take for granted called seasons. I shout on that. It was cold last year, wasn't it? But do you realize if the sun were to move a half of an inch, we vote forward or backward, we would either freeze to death. And I don't want you to get a twist. I don't want you to look at a long freezing. One movement, and we're in the ice age. One movement closer, and hell came too soon. Let's talk genetics for a minute. Isn't it amazing? I'm sorry. Stuff like this gets me excited. When I look at my daughter, I think I'm okay. No, no, I'm serious. No, no, no insecurities here about your boy's looks. Now that I'm bald, I really think I, I, think I went up a notch. Yeah, no, seriously, when I, when I cut my hair off, the, the, no longer can you tell that the hairline, the, the forehead is as big as it is. And seriously, so when I look in the mirror now, I'm saying, all right. All right, but I don't think I'm like the baddest dude out there. I know that. I ain't Denzel. I ain't Idris Alba. No. But my wife is, she fine. She fine. Look, say, you don't, if you, it is what it is. But by the way, let me just say, married folk, if she ain't fine to you, I'm saying, if your wife ain't fine to you, you in trouble, man. I mean, she got, you got to see something in that. Come on, say amen. Even after gravity has taken over, you got, to, you got to find some good in that thing. Come on, say amen. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not saying you have to accept her as fine. I think she's fine. Uh, but, 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 but putting both of us together, I remember when we had Taylor, and when she came out of the womb, I was wondering if I carried Taylor. (laughs) And so I said, because people tell you this, give it time, talking about genetics, give it time, she won't look as much like you now as she will later, she will begin to look more like her mother. I'm still waiting. Like... Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have a family look, right? You, you can tell that's a Johnson. That's a Johnson, right? There. That's a McMillan. Uh-huh, yeah. That's a Moulton. Come on, say amen. Those are the Longs. Amen? Those are the Grants. Oh, y'all not talking back to me in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can look at certain families. Oh, we know who that is? Uh, they, they, look ju- they look alike. They, their head is shaped a certain way. They, they walk with a certain walk. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that my daughter, hey, now I got to shout on this, looks just like me, and she's beautiful. Yeah. 
evolution did that? Oh, come on in here, somebody. Said, come on, all, all the folk in here uh, 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 who look at your own kids sometimes and you stand back and say, well, good God. How did God take this? Uh, amazingly, I've seen situations where, where there have been sons who've never met their fathers. And they just like them. In character, personality, the way they look, the way they walk, mannerisms, genetics are amazing. And so these scientists are looking at this stuff and they're trying to figure it out. And they're asking this question How? Bear a sheet. Barah, Elohim. In the beginning, God created. I love how the Bible opens up. His introduction is this. He doesn't need some. He don't need a hype man to introduce him. Y'all remember Maceo from James Brown? Come on, say. Old school folk, y'all know who I'm talking about. New school folk, y'all remember Flavor Flav. Come on, say amen. Hype man. <laughs> Fonsworth Bentley, the younger folk, y'all know what I'm talking about. Hype man. Uh, God doesn't need a hype man. God shows up, and listen, there's nothing. Uh, okay, I can't, even, I can't even figure that out. There is nothing. Bear a sheet. Barah. Elohim. First thing that shows up is me. And I'm always going where I'm coming from to get to where I am, to find out I've already been there. What beginning are you talking? See, the scientists are struggling. How can there be a beginning? What do you mean uh, before there was a beginning? Because in the Hebrew, it basically says before there was a beginning, there was a God that created. How can you have something that was here before there was time, before there was space? Who shows up before somebody counts to one? And and how are you there at the ending of infinity? He shows up. I'm here. There be light. Now, here, here, let me help you out with something here. You can't even talk about this stuff too long. It messes your head up. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? The scripture then says, the earth Watch this. Was without form and void. Okay, now, as I began to study, I realized something. See, try to work with me on this. This is what I need. Consider, put this back together when I'm done. (laughs) 
The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Now, the first thing that God created was the heavens and the earth. Basically a mass of stuff, okay? Now, in this stuff was everything that he spoke out over the next five days. See, in our mind, we think that God says, let there be light because there was no light. What he did was is he is a designer. The first thing he created was the heavens and the earth. Blot out. It had no form or void. So what God began to do was he began to pull out of. See, I'm, I'm trying to tell you something about the power of God's word. See, when God speaks everything you need for your life is in that word. But God has to pull out of that word what is needed for every day. The word of God is so powerful that when it comes to you, has anybody ever had this experience before? You have, you don't know how to, you don't know how to take in everything that God is doing in your life. All right, come on, come on. Yeah, you're not with me now. Have you ever got blessed before? And when you got blessed, the day you got blessed, you were excited because you got blessed. But then you realize 25 years later that there was more in that blessing than you could have imagined when you first got it. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did not create new things independently each day. He spoke one time, everything was in it, and then he said, let there be light, pulled it out. So when he said, let there be light, he was calling out of. Light came out. Then he started dividing stuff. Separating heavens, moving land. Fish, birds. Now, here's the problem with most atheists. This is what this is what messes them up, D, because the Bible says in verse one, let there be light. Right. But in verse four, I mean, on day four, he created the sun and the moon. They, they, you know what they say? That's a contradiction. How can he create light on day one and then turn around on day four and create the sun and the moon? And so they're, they're, they're trying to figure God out. They're saying, well, what's, what, what's creating all this light? Well, if we even want to go there, my Bible tells me that he is brighter than the sun. I mean, in my mind, I simply just seen God turn the light switch on on a reservoir of extra light that he had that he never had to use before in infinity past. And so he says, in order for me to do this creation thing, I could do it in the dark if I wanted to. But I simply want to send a message to the members of Glenville on the, in 2015 that when I show up, I don't need a sun. I don't need a moon. I don't need stars. I can brighten up my own corner where I am and I can be everything you need to create what I need to create in your life. What actually happened on day four, you know what actually happened on day four? He started pulling the sun out of form and void. Stars. Can't get that one out. 
stars. Boom. You know how many stars there are? Can't count them. There, there are stars that are bigger than our solar system. What? So on day four, what God is doing is, is he's setting up solar system. Now, the question that most folks wrestle with, and I'm, I had to set all this up for this, is how did he do that? Wrong question. Wrong question. Can we go home on this one right here? The question is not how. Because we can sit around here all day and try to figure out if we're going to be wrong. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, his ways... Some of you have been raised in the church your whole life, and you've never had to exercise faith. His ways are not our ways. Now, can I, can I blow your mind? Isaiah 55, 9. And then it says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Now, here's, here's the part that blows my mind. As high as the heavens are. So are his way as what? And I, I mean, you, we are no come to try to figure God out is a waste of time. If we could prove God, then he wouldn't be God. Y'all remember what Bill Cosby said to his kids? I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Some of y'all saying, Bill Cosby didn't say that. I said that. (laughs) Creation trying to explain creator is like car trying to explain to Ford why it has an oil leak. (laughs) The question is not how. Here's the question I want to end with today. When you read the story of creation, you know what you need to ask? Why? Is that Christian again? Man, we had a conversation before the service started. But you're not cooperating. We're, no, it's not funny. I, I, need you, I need you to get your beanie in. Wrong question is how. Right question is what? Why? Why did God create the heavens and the earth? For you. Now, 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 now can I help you out? As he's going down the days, he's saying, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. In other words, that's perfect, that's perfect, that's perfect. And what I'm saying is, is why would you create a perfect setup for people that you know? I just want to talk about his love today. You really want to blow your mind? Hey, can I blow your mind for a second? Uh, all-knowing God. Come on, he, he knew. Did he not know? Sister, come on, did he know? When he's creating this perfect world in his mind, he can already see the perfect world he's creating falling apart because of the rebellion of the people that he's creating the planet for. What I see all up in Genesis is who cares about how? I see God's grace all on this thing. He prepares a planet for me. He knows I'm going to sin. When I show up, the, the planet is perfectly designed for Adam. And God did that for somebody that he knew was going to turn his back on God. I want you to hold on this line right here. 
love always creates risk. I have to illustrate this. If you, if you mothers were having a baby, you're pregnant, and you were told somehow, maybe by Lucy, I don't know, that this child that you were going to have was when he grows up, he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. He's going to malign your name. He's going to destroy your reputation. If you knew that, now forget pregnancy. If you knew before you were pregnant, the next child you're going to have is going to seek to destroy your life. Somebody shout birth control. <laughs> hey, listen, because ain't nobody here spiritual enough to say I'm going abstinent. I don't have to. <laughs> say, I don't want him to kill me, but Lord, no. <laughs> The, the thing that ought to blow your mind is that God created the planet knowing that his children were going to kill him. Revelation 13, 8 says that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Can I just, just wrap your head around this? God created a planet that was going to kill him. Now, for you, I can't understand that. What I say is, that's love. Because for most of you, love is control. If you're dating a brother in here, and you feel more controlled than love, cut him loose. Some of you call what you're doing to your children love, but it's really control. He didn't create robots. He says, I'm going to create folk and I'm going to put in them a choice not to love me. Because real love is not love unless it comes from the right place. I'm done. We're going to dig on this more next week. Why am I here, pastor? Why am I here? Look at all the stuff I've been through. He loves you. He already knew. He knew that stuff was going to happen. But why did he let it happen? We'll talk about that next week. Talk about that next week. Don't even worry about that because you're trying to figure God out. What you need to accept is this. Your personal responsibility in the death of Jesus Christ. Why would he let you live if he knew that you were going to kill him? He must have a plan for your life. That's some, that's some love on a whole nother level. That he would willingly put himself out there on the line for a whole planet that was going to try to kill him. When I look at creation, you know what I think of? Indescribable. Uncontainable. He placed the stars in the sky and he knows them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful. Untamable. All struck, we fall to our knees and we humbly proclaim, you are amazing, God. I can't figure you out. I can't understand why you've not answered all my prayers the way I wanted you to. But one thing I know for sure, if I'm still here, if I still have breath in my body, notice the reason that the word of God tells us to praise God has everything to do with creation. 
He doesn't say praise me because I blessed you. Praise me because I saved you. Praise me because I healed you. The Bible says, let everything that has breath translated, if you create it, if you were on God's mind before time showed up, oh my God, I worship you, God. I give you the glory right now. I bless you in the congregation of the saints that you saw me before I saw myself. And the picture of me that you saw, you knew was a picture of death, a picture of murder, a picture of homicide. Ah, but thank you, God. You didn't cut me off in your mind even before you started. You didn't abort the mission, but you said, I'm going to bring them in anyhow because I got a plan that's going to fix the violation. I've got a plan that's going to fix the rebellion. The word of God says, even before creation started, he had already made up his mind in heaven that I'm going to send my only begotten son to die for them. And they have not even showed up yet. Oh, what love. When I think of all the things I've done, your head's about and your eyes are closed. Before I got here, I was on his mind. Some of you are worried right now that somebody's not thinking about you or somebody abandoned you. Somebody's ignoring you. Can I give you a word today? You're on his mind. When you were in jail, you were on his mind. When you were high, you were on his mind. When you were committing adultery, you were on his mind. When you wouldn't trust him before the foundations of the world, you were on the mind of God. Church, Wrap your head around it for a minute. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. But a worship is, is brewing in your spirit. And you begin to think, I'm on his mind. God has not forgotten you. How could a God forget you if he knew about you even before time showed up? There is a Oh, I know you hear this all the time, but please don't take this for granted. There, God has a plan, and you're in it. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untangled. All struck, we fall to our knees and we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. Indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. And then he knows your name. You are amazing. He knows your name. He knows your kid's name. He knows the slave's name that came over here before you got here. And he cares. If you just need to be reminded that he cares about you. 
Don't listen to what the world is saying. I got a word for you today. The Lord cares about you. If you believe that today, against all odds, against all the craziness in your life, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you know that God has not forgotten you are amazing God. Powerful, attainable, all struck me far too. Is there somebody here today? You're just tired. And you just need you just need to come to Jesus right now and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I can't figure it out. But I need you to help me to trust you. That you know the end from the beginning. That if you have the ability to create a planet with the breath of your mouth, then surely, surely, surely you can speak something into my life and bring about a change. God, I need some faith in my life. If you're here today.